and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. From kind of Studio Breezy, but we're doing a little virtual thing this time because we've been busy. Matthew, hello. What's up? So we are virtual this time, mostly because you're going to Nashville here pretty soon, and I just got back from a cruise, and our schedules have not lined up. But we had a game, and we have a game to review, so we just said, screw it, we're going to do the virtual thing and uh, get get it out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, awesome game on the weekend. Uh, every game is awesome, if you think about it, sometimes. Uh, we had Knoxville coming into town, one Knox SC, a brand new USL League One team. And uh, I believe this is what our fourth preseason test of the season so far. Um, yeah, but the fourth or fourth or fifth, something like that. And and it was an interesting one. First one we've seen in person since Atlanta. Um, yeah, we got to sneak in and see some of the closed door friendly, but that wasn't like widely available. And also that was a college team and, and different whatever. It wasn't like a regular game. It was just a very much a scrimmage. Um, and it was a very diff. That was a very different thing than this one. This was a real game that you can actually take some things out of. Um, and I think it's, it's worth going over who we've played so far this preseason. Uh, we started out with Atlanta United, which was a giant game. Um, and I think we've reviewed that one. You can go back and listen to it. I think we both felt pretty good coming out of that game based on not having a lot of practice going in. Um, and then we've now played Birmingham on the road in a closed door friendly. We've played, uh, Memphis on the road in a closed town, a closed friendly. And then we also played that closed friendly at home uh, scrimmage thing against the college team. Memphis, uh, if folks don't know, absolutely kicked the shit out of us. Um, But the thing that I think I think about for these games in the preseason is the first half is always almost always starters in the preseason. After that, you never know. So in the first half against Memphis, it was two one. Um, that's my and record. that's through and that's through sixty minutes as well. So they were beating us, but not by a lot. That's solid. And then we put in a bunch of our subs. They put in some of their subs, and their subs were a lot better than our subs. Um, just being quite frank. And so their trialists uh, made it seven two, I think. Um, Birmingham, we won one nothing, which is fun. Don't have anything to take out of it because we couldn't see the game. Uh, and then this one is the first third division team we've played. So Matthew, with all of that on the table, what were you expecting? And then tell us briefly how the game went. You know, I was I was expecting. Um, I mean, I don't I don't know how to quantify this. I was actually expecting Knoxville to to, to do a lot of high pressure. Uh, a lot of the the public uh, discussion around Knoxville was based on their league two team last year, which was coached by the same, by the same person. And they talked a lot about how it, it, a lot of times it looked like a three, four, three, uh, and, and kind of in, in the mold of three center backs, uh, two wing backs and two central midfielders, and then kind of two, two forwards underneath a main target nine, uh, and, and a lot of high pressure, a lot of trying to turn you over and counter immediately, so I was expecting a lot of that. We got something completely different out of Knoxville uh, on the weekend. They came out in a 4-4-2 uh, and, and it was a diamond in midfield. It was very reminiscent of how some CFC teams under Bill Elliott in the mid-2010s would play. And they did not press at all. Uh, they, were, they were quite content to let the center backs have the ball and try to attack as soon as they played the first pass in. 
And and they really they really condensed the field in, into midfield, putting all eleven players essentially into the midfield. And um, I don't know if that's going to be if that's kind of a one time thing because they were practicing putting it in, into plan a scouting approach to the team they knew they were going to play, um, and and try to play against that type of style. Uh, maybe this is a look for for Knoxville season. I don't really care anymore because we're not going to see them again. Um, yeah, but, outside, but it, it was an a, interesting. It was out, an interesting approach outside of a potential matchup. I think in the Open Cup, I haven't looked at the brackets, but I would assume that both of us being in Tennessee, if we both won, we might. See everything them. gets everything gets reseeded, so there's no way of really knowing. Gotcha. Uh, but no, I agree with you. I thought that I would say I will have one quibble. Number one, we did play a four four. They played a four four two bill uh, as you texted me, which is just so good. Um, they didn't. It wasn't that they didn't press at all. They didn't high press. Um, they did. They chose where the line of confrontation was, and they did. Uh, the when the reason they were playing, I think, a, a diamond at the top at least was to match up to have a, a player free for one of our center backs, a player free for the other center back, and then a player to stick on Richard Dixon. Now, it, I would argue it didn't work for taking the ball away from us, but it did make it difficult for us to build. Um, they had numbers. They had numbers in the right places, and. I think we did a decent job coping with the pressure, but it was kind of a stalemate for large portions of the game because they were able to cover our passing throughout the midfield. Yeah, and, and I don't know if Knoxville's grand plan for for a tactical approach for the season is to not play football ever. Yeah, but it certainly looks like at least against a team like us that we want to play, put the ball on the ground and play football. It certainly seemed like they did. They wanted to make sure that. We could not do that. Long, longtime friend of both of ours, Jonathan Hunter, said uh, they have a hell of a rugby team. Um, yeah. and, and this was for large portions of the game, and I didn't get to watch in person. I was on a cruise, and the internet didn't work at all. Uh, it did work throughout the cruise until I had to try to even check Twitter, and I couldn't for that like four-hour period. Um, but anyway, I, I, I've rewatched it. I've rewatched the entire thing, um, and I know you came out pretty pissed off um, about how how physical they were and the risk of injury and you know kind of their attitude and and in rewatching it i i can see exactly where those feelings come from uh, it was rough it was dirty and i don't think there's another way to describe it at times um it wasn't pure dirty the whole time right but there were many moments of of showing that they're going to play a very different brand of soccer they're very michigan starsy uh the what they didn't do the roll around on the ground and pretend to be hurt thing very much which michigan stars are excellent at but they did the tactical foul all the time dirty foul as long as the referee will allow it and look the referee wasn't good she wasn't terrible but in in a lot of key moments especially towards the end of that game she was not good enough and she let the game get too chippy and it got too physical and we risked some injuries and i you know look referees have preseason two and they got to learn but man that was poor and they we need that in the preseason, we need better refereeing than that because we could have easily had a player injured, including that 83rd minute terrible tackle on Tom Marriott that should have been a red card. And if not a red card, an immediate yellow to calm the situation. But she just waited to the side, let there be like a little like shoving match and then waited another three minutes before walking over and finally giving a yellow card to the guy who's already run off and is standing by the goalkeeper. Um, I have rewatched it a bunch of times. You know, I take my CFC glasses off. Like he pulls his legs out. It's from behind. It's bad. It's it's borderline a red card. It's not actually studs up, but it's it's a bad challenge. And the reason I think that challenge happens is because she lets go, like the referee lets go all of these other challenges earlier on. So it just allows for those things to escalate. And that's 
that's poor and that's bad. And I hope that, you know, we don't see that, um, in the future. Yeah. I, I, I don't know much about, about this particular referee. I don't even know her name. I don't think I've seen her before at CFC games. So at least recently. So it's very, very likely that it's a relatively new referee to the pro game. And look, if you're the, the pro game in the United States, the lower divisions is fairly physical. Like it's fairly rough and tumble and you've got to learn how to do it. And the only way you can learn is by taking a game every now and then that you're not prepared for. And it's better that happens in preseason. So I'm willing to give the referee a little bit of slack because it is preseason. Obviously it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. It's a, you know, it's a crowd, it's two teams going at it. And like, I think Knoxville treated this game. It Knoxville looked like a first year pro team that had never played with an away crowd before. Now, I know that a lot of their players have played in environments before. They've got a guy, you know, from Pittsburgh. They've got a guy from Richmond. They've got a guy from North Carolina FC. They've been around before. I don't think most of this crowd has ever played at CFC before. And CFC is just a different animal going into it. And sometimes it, it, it puts pressure on our own players. Sometimes it puts pressure on, on the other team. And sometimes that pressure that pressure gets to you. And I think it did get the Knoxville. I mean, frankly, uh, I think I think Jed Henderson put out some XG on on the match, and and it it looks. I mean, it's pretty heavily weighted in, in Knoxville's favor, which checks out based on the match. Uh, and a lot of that's probably game state. We can get into that if we want to. Uh, but I thought, and this this is going to be in my in in my three takeaways from from the match. I thought Knoxville never had their heads, ever. And I think if they were just a little bit more calm and focused a little bit more on football and less on, on losing their minds all the time, they would have probably been able to, to, to do something with this game, especially with some of the pressure they mounted late. Um, uh, let's, let's get into uh, breezy. Let's let, take us through the, uh, take us through the only goal of the game. Yeah. It happened fairly early. So it happens, I think in the 13th minute roughly. Um, and it's, it is a thing that we, I think we talked about last season quite a bit. And we talked about it reviewing last season, which is, honestly, it felt like we weren't good at set pieces last year. However, if you go back and look at the math and look at the actual like facts of what happened, we were pretty damn good on set pieces last year. And goal output, I mean. What we didn't do, and what we continue to not do, is score headers off of set pieces. But this is another goal that comes on a set piece. Um, Alex McGrath talks about it after the game. By the way, if you're not listening to and not watching the post-game press conferences, which are a new thing this year, I think we may have done a couple in the past. We've done one for Atlanta, we've done one for this game. They're very cool. And Alex talked about... Um, they said something to the effect of, and I'm going to butcher the question, but, you know, does it feel lucky that it goes in like that? Do you expect to score an Olympico? Like, how does that go? And he said, look, I don't expect to score an Olympico. Like, that's, but also he scored one last year, don't forget. Um, but also we practice putting the ball into a very dangerous area. We want it so that if you get a barely, barely get a touch on it, and I'm putting a few words in Alex's mouth here, I'm paraphrasing, but if you barely get a touch on it, it can just squirt in, it can get in, it's in a dangerous spot. And that's exactly what happened. The goalkeeper and the defense react immediately to our very large Moldovan center back, uh, Anatoly, who everyone calls Toli, and he, they're reacting to him and others in that middle of that scrum, and the ball just goes straight over top, doesn't touch anybody, nestles into the back corner, and it's one nothing. Uh, Olympico, straight off the straight off the kick. And I would I expect that that's how we were going to score against Knoxville? No. Uh, we actually had a pretty decent chance not too long before that, 
um, with a Taylor uh, chip over the top to Marcus. First time volley, left footed, um, good save from the goalkeeper. And, you know, we were, it was interesting to see how our chances were created, which we can talk a little bit more about that. But this was one nothing. And while Knoxville certainly did create some big chances, they weren't. I don't know. This was a game where it felt a lot like Michigan Stars, man. They were they were a little bit better, uh, maybe on the ball than Michigan, but they weren't like beating down the door to score for us. We had a few good saves, few good opportunities for that we had made some good plays, but we got our goal and we kind of played a pretty mature. And coming back to one of your um, t- uh, three takeaways, like play a pretty mature game where we nursed that lead took care of the ball, maybe sat back a little too much. And Alex said that in the post game, maybe we sat back a little too much, especially because they got a red card and we kind of didn't deal with that super well. But also we just kind of nursed the lead and the game finishes one nothing. We haven't said that yet. Sorry, should have said that to begin. We, CFC wins one nothing um, on in Alex McGrath, Olympico. Uh, and if anyone doesn't know what Olympico is, it's when you score straight off the corner kick without anybody touching it. Uh, and he, he buried that. And for a second time, he did it against Maryland last year too. I was gonna. I was gonna Not mention Maryland. that because yeah, Maryland, Maryland, in Maryland, Mar- in that Maryland terrible away. rainy game when we were there. Uh, shout out Jimmy Two Phones. Uh, so one thing we did not talk about is how we lined up for the game. So I want to go th- go through with that. Uh, goalkeeper was Jean Antoine. Uh, right back was Jung Woo So. Uh, now newly signed Jung Woo So, and we'll talk about the roster stuff uh, later on this week. Uh, later on this week, you've got Anatoly Prepelitsa. Uh, Aiden Not Bowers, bad, sir. the new center back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You've been practicing. Yeah, Aiden, Joseph. Aiden Bowers and Anatoly, a new center back partnership we haven't seen all season and are all preseason and haven't started until now. And, so, yeah. and by the way, this was Bowers' first week with the, with the club. Uh, left back Joseph Perez. Um, uh, back at the six, Richard Dixon. Uh, a new center midfield pairing of Alex McGrath and new signing Beto Alvarenga. Uh, and then... A little bit different up front. You had Mataya Mwape, who is go, goes by new Mumu at right wing, uh, the left footer kind of cutting in, Taylor Gray on the left-hand side, and Marcus Nangleset as the striker. This is the first... Um, I'll, I'll mention a couple quick notes on that lineup. Yeah. So we haven't seen Tolly or Aiden before, and we haven't seen them together. So that this is their first time playing together and playing in front of us, which was cool. Good, nice to see them. We have not seen... Uh, Beto at all, either. Those three brand new players in that starting lineup. Uh, we have seen Jung Wuso, obviously new signing, but we had seen him previous to now, including the Atlanta game. And then we had seen Mumu in that Atlanta game, but he had not played out wide. And we had not seen Taylor Gray yet this preseason. So I realize it's not perfect because Taylor has been around and, and Mumu's been here all preseason. But if you count that, that's one, two, three, four, five players playing in this game that haven't played either in that position um, in this preseason with us at, in an open open door game or who are new to the squad. So I would just put a little asterisk on this is still preseason. It's still a lot of new players, and I think it's worth considering that there's a lot of room to grow for those players. And we, this may also not be the lineup that we see. This may have been a little bit of an experimentation, but I think Rod wants to see a left footer ideally cutting in from that right side and a right footer ideally cutting in from that from the left side. Um, and I think we can just make that claim because his Twitter handle is cut inside. <laughs> yeah, I'll, let me go through the subs as well and then we can go back to different pieces of the game uh, that we want to. You've got Tom Marriott, who's a trialist, uh, subbed in at right back for Jung Wusso. 
Uh, Marriott's, I would say, more of a central midfielder and especially more of a central attacking midfielder. But uh, as as listeners have come to know and appreciate, uh, outside backs and central midfielders are are the same thing. And I think you actually see, we saw a lot of the central midfielders or the, the outside backs pinching in alongside Richard Dixon, kind of like a way, like a line of three in build up, uh, and, and not just like one or the other when the ball's on the opposite side of the field. A lot of times when the ball's with the center backs, it was two center backs and then a bank of three with Richard in the middle of two outside backs. That's something to watch for as we get further on into the season. Yeah, let's let's just clarify that one more time because I, I do think that's really, really interesting and this podcast is known for being overly nerdy. The last season, we usually had three. So one of the, one of the outside backs would stay back and then the other would sometimes pinch in. Right, so sometimes you would have a three-two, sometimes you'd have a three-one, and then whatever. But it was very rarely just the two center backs back, with uh, then a player or two in front of them. It was usually one of the outside backs was staying deeper, and then the opposite side would pinch in. This was very, I think, apparent that it was a different setup with two deeper, and then that line of three where the outside back, sure, they got forward some, but they weren't getting forward a ton, and they were often lining up right next to Richard, which. We saw that a little bit in against Atlanta, but not like not this pronounced. This was very pronounced. It was both sides, and I'm very, very interested to see what comes of that because I think that may be a tactical tweak for us going forward, especially defensively. Yeah, I agree. So you had you had Marriott kind of go in for for Jungwoo at halftime, and then in the second half, about the 70th minute, we had a, a big substitution wave. Jonathan Burke replaced uh, Jean Antoine. Uh, and then trialist Derek Antonini replaced Marcus Nagelstad. Trialist uh, Tariq L. Daly replaced Taylor Gray. And Kevin Ge- uh, Kevin Geisler replaced Beto Alvarenga. Uh, and technically, I think you actually reversed those two trialists uh, for, the two, for the two starters, but that's beside the point. Hmm. Uh, and when this happened, by the way, I want to point out that uh, L. Daly and Geisler went to the wings and Mutaya Mwape went into central midfield. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, Ale Jaimes replaced Mutaya Mwape in central midfield. Uh, and then in garbage time, uh, it will count as the 90th minute, but it was uh, Fabian got, I've got a few minutes to run out uh, with 10 minutes of stoppage time. Fabian yeah. Rodriguez replaced Alex McGrath. Fabian Rodriguez, who scored the only goal in the uh, Birmingham game. Yes, yes. Uh, and shout out to Fabian, uh, because that is your first CFC goal. And I'm terribly sorry that it's not going to count because it was behind closed doors. But that's uh, just that's just the uh, the dem- cruel nature of this beast. Dems the brakes. All right. Uh, do you want <laughs> so we've kind of talked about a little bit. So I think we looked pretty different after we made our subs. Um, I think we we're a lot less defensively solid. Um, a lot of that becomes from the midfield. So uh, actually, I'd like to go st- into my, some of my takeaways. Do you want to go straight into takeaways for you and me? Let's do it. Um, so my first takeaway is the midfield three is both a f- strength and also really in flux for us right now. And by that, I mean we got Alex McGrath back and we got Richard Dixon back. Richard was spectacular. There is a, I mean, just night and day difference between last season and this season in the beginning of the preseason. Because when you look at Richard and how he played at the beginning of last season, honestly, he was still learning the position and he wasn't great. Um, he has he had a lot of miscommunications and, and dis- distribution that wasn't as good. And we talked about it last year. Richard's growth has absolutely surpassed anything that I would have expected for a 31-year-old player and for a center back turned midfielder. He is very good 
in possession. He is very good overall in distribution, and, and most of that is because he makes really, really good decisions. And so in this game, I think you saw the center backs who were playing for their first time playing into Richard and playing into Alex repeatedly, and those two players were dictating everything. Last year, Frankie dictated a lot from center back, and Colin, to a certain extent, also dictated quite a bit, and Nick Spielman could dictate, but he didn't do it as much as the other two um, as far as making the the line-splitting pass themselves. But this was a concerted effort, I think, a different look at playing into, and those two midfielders, and Alex and... Um, and this is not a quick takeaway, obviously, but Alex and Richard were massive. They were super important, and they were extremely, extremely good, and they were difference makers in this game, both of them. The third midfielder, Beto, had ups and downs. Um, In the game against Atlanta United, Mumu had ups and downs. Um, I don't think we found who that third midfielder is. Does that mean it's not one of those two guys? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I don't know that anyone has locked down that spot. Um, Last year, it was Ian Saro. It took a little while for us to figure out who it was going to be, but it became Ian Saro, and he was the creative engine in a lot of games, including that Memphis game last year. I don't think we know who the third midfielder is yet, and that's a very interesting thing, but I think our strength is currently in the two guys that are are nailed-down starters in Alex and Richard, and it's going to be very interesting to see who that third guy is and how do they play, how do we adjust to having that third guy, what are their strengths, and how are we, uh, how are we going to balance things out. So that's my first. Uh, can I can I can I point in just to, to add a point to that? I'll also remind if you if you take out the 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 college team that we played, uh, just because it's a, a different situation with with their own substitution rules. If you look at the pro teams that we played in preseason so far, you've got Atlanta United and MLS. You've got Memphis nine hundred one FC in the championship. You've got Birmingham in the championship, and now you've got Knoxville in League One. If you were to ask anyone in American soccer what level those teams are at compared to where we are, even though we are honestly projected to be the cream of NISA, you're pretty gonna pretty much gonna get a united opinion that all of those teams are a class above our level. And that's just even though Knoxville's on the same tier of us, League One is just simply more prestigious, uh, attracts is able to attract, I, I would think, overall. Uh, better players, and and also they can they can get P one visas, so like they can get an additional foreign component uh, that simply is just not afforded to to those of us in NISA. So, what I think has been really interesting, and in then those games is we are challenging ourselves against teams that are probably better than us. And you've seen we've gotten some decent results. Now we don't know exactly what happened in the Birmingham game. Did we? Um, you know, or were we, or were we just lucky to, to escape that with a one zero win? You could argue we were lucky to escape with a one zero win against Knoxville. But what what we are doing here is we are challenging ourselves, and we are challenging that midfield honestly against teams that are playing. Knoxville played a four. Uh, Birmingham's strength has usually been to play with three and be better at it than anybody else. Uh, the I think the college team played about six guys in midfield against us. And, and, and truthfully, our best success in midfield came against Atlanta United, uh, partly because they still hadn't figured their shit out uh, and, and were playing expensive luxury players that don't defend. I think I think once we get into more our level of competition, especially in our league, I think you're going to see the, the quality really start to show up. Uh, and I think some of these questions about midfield are going to get sorted. Um as we go through April. Breezy, hit point two. Defense has already clearly improved, 
And that is because of better individual defenders. So this is no shot at any of the previous guys. Um, we've talked about it before. Frankie is and was a center back that fit Rod's system to a T, in part because he is absolutely special on the ball. And look, he's a class above any center back that we had last year or this year on the ball. Frankie created all sorts of things on his own, including assists, including dribbles, including opening up space, line splitting passes, whatever else. Um, Frankie was an adequate defender. He was also the only center back we started last year, the only positional defender. And we had a key, we had two keepers who were six foot or sub six foot. Sorry, boys. Love you guys. But like, this is a different size component. We have a a guy who's two goalkeepers who are listed at six foot four or so, and who are definitely above six foot. And we have a center back who's listed at six foot four, who's probably legitimately close to that. And then we have another center back who is about six foot ish. And so this is, it's still early, right? But I think you saw that number one, Tolly and uh, Bowers are better defensively because they are actually center backs uh, in the case of um, not, they're not midfielders playing center back. And they are defenders first. Their, their strengths are defending, not necessarily distribution. And so there will be some work to do on the distribution side. So I'm not saying everything is like whatever. But we, we allowed some soft goals last year. We were a little unbalanced, I think. And one of the ways we defended was just never letting anybody else have the ball. What did Rod say? We didn't want to defend for long stretches. The longer we defend, the worse it is. This year, at least so far, and it's very early, but this is, this is a hot take takeaway, between the goalkeeper in Jean-Antoine and in Burke in the second half, who are a lot larger therefore making defending just different on set pieces where we're defensively were different and our center backs being defense first center backs. I think we're looking at a better defensive team personnel wise in individual defending. Um, we'll see if that makes us a better defense on the season. You know, if we can't hold the ball, if we have bad turnovers, you know, there, there are ways that this can go sideways, but I think this is a very different uh, individually built defender team and I'm, I'm very interested to see how that goes, and I'm excited to see how that goes because I think we're a more balanced team overall. Er, it's very early. It's very early. And I'll give you the third one. Um, you kind of mentioned this in the wrap-up of uh, just a second ago before I started talking, but the first this is the first third-division team we've played. This is the first team we've played that should be comparable to a team we may play in NISA. Um, I think this is – I've mentioned the Michigan Stars a bunch of times on this podcast already. I think this is a reasonable analog for that, and I think we stood up well to it. And I think we will continue to get better as the season goes on. We're a system-based team. We're a team that plays in a manner that should improve as the season goes on with chemistry and whatever else. And that, that's the kind of team there that is already going to be very sharp, oftentimes coming out of the gate. And so my hope is, my hopeful take is that we are set up well to play against physical third division sides um, that are set up to not play football, I think we coped with that pressure well. We never lost our heads. We didn't get stupid fouls. We didn't get stupid yellow cards. We didn't get stupid red cards. We stayed in the pocket. We defended well enough, and we got it done. All right, Matthew, your three things. Uh, my first my, my first thing here is going to be uh, handling and being handled by the physicality of the game. Uh, and then that's not just a knoxville thing that's not just a michigan stars thing like this is going to be routine when we play teams that don't want to play football and, and, and respectfully to them like should not try to play football with us they should try to, to muck the game up and be physical i think mean, that's a legitimate approach to soccer um i think 
the Knoxville game was really interesting for us because at times we handled their physicality very, very well. Um, at times we, we struggled like Knoxville was able to create some stuff uh, here and there throughout the game through sheer brute force, a big ball, a, a big diagonal over the top to the, to the big, you know, fake Holland Norwegian guy who heads it down and like, and they play off the second ball. We struggled with that a little bit at times. That's, Okay, like we're going to struggle with that type of system at times. I think we're we're built to better to to better deal with it this year than we were last year. But you saw moments of us doing a really good job handling the physicality. You saw some moments where we weren't so good. Uh, that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two: connecting possession to attack and sometimes the lack thereof. As with any team that is uh, built on passing the ball kind of some sometimes some intricate movements and sequences and and i i think what it looks to be like a different system in terms of building from the back compared to last year it takes a while for a team like that to be able to just be a possession team versus becoming a penetration team and we are not uh we i mean we're not there yet and and that's not surprising because we're like four or five weeks into preseason with several more to go. Uh, this is a process. It is a, uh, each game is a learning opportunity and uh, this team definitely has a ways to go. Uh, is, is, is Beto going to be a starter at, at one of the eight positions? Is Mumu going to be a starter at, at one of the wing positions? Uh, we did not see Damian Rodriguez. Uh, are there more signings yet to come? There are, there are still a lot of questions around uh, uh, this team and, and in its makeup, and it's not a finished product yet, and I think that's something we need to keep in mind. When we talk after the, uh, after the Gold Star game on April the 1st, the regular season opener, we're going to have a better idea of what this team is and what it can be. Point number three. You're welcome to interject if you'd like. I was going to like. say, I, I disagree with, I think... What I one of the things I learned from last year is that you don't know who we are until a little further into the season. Um, the the team we were the first three, then the team we were the next six or whatever, and then the team we were the next six after that. So what I'm going to say is, I think talk to me five to eight games in, and really talk to me ten games in, but talk to me five to eight games in before I I think about what we are, uh, because remember we made a giant change to wingers that completely changed how we played, and we looked like a, a completely different team. Um, three games into last season, so I think I think that's a fair point. That's all I'm going to say because our, our preseason, while this is long and good and and should develop, maybe we should come into the season a little more developed than we did last year. We still kept signing players up until now, so I'm just not sure that three four games in we won't make a nice change as well. Could be, could absolutely be, or we might come um, flying out of the gates and not change anything. Who knows? I I, I just think we're going to have. We're, we're further along in terms of our, our construction, I, I believe, at this point last year. I agree. And with players that have been here before, there's a little bit more familiarity. There's a little bit more of an understanding of what needs to happen. And yes, the attack's been tweaked slightly. But I think, especially as we come, as we start playing you know, at our actual level, I think you're going to see some of these things uh, taking care of. Look, it's nice to beat Birmingham. It's nice to beat Knoxville. It's nice to, to draw with Atlanta. None of that matters if we don't, or if we are not able and equipped to beat Gold Star. It doesn't matter if we're not able to, and equipped to beat Savannah. 
we have to beat the teams in our league in front of us so that we can try to win uh, win the league in the regular season and then ultimately bring a NISA championship home to Chattanooga. Hey, yeah, agree. Point, num- point number three now, keeping our heads. Uh, we, we talked about handling and being handled by the physicality. And I, and I talked about how Knoxville was uh, to their own detriment, unable to keep their heads in, in portions of this game. I thought we did a fairly good job of that in, in, in special contrast to Knoxville. That is something that we're going to have to maintain throughout the season. The Michigan stars of the world, probably a gold star and, and who knows who announced Anissa. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be heated. It's going to be fierce. They're going to try to, to upset the way we play and do that through physicality and challenge referees to call the game. We have to be prepared for when we don't get a lot of calls and we have to be prepared for when the play is going to be super physical. And if Saturday was an indication of where we are in that process, we seem to be pretty good, at least right now. Now, as the pressure ramps up, as we hit the regular season, it'll be important to maintain that. Yeah, I agree. All right, you got a bonus takeaway here, and then let's wrap this baby up. Yeah, so my bonus takeaway is this. Uh, one of the reasons I was I was pretty pissed off after the game uh, was because of the physicality of Knoxville for a for a, a preseason match. However, like teams are going to be physical, and that's just one thing or the other. However, here's the key thing. Knoxville's technical staff is among some of the worst people I've ever seen on the sideline, ever in my life. When a player gets a red card, as one of Knoxville's players did in the 53rd minute of the game, a player that gets a red card has to leave the field. They have to go to the locker room. There is no going back to the bench and just sitting there. When our staffers came over, like the people, the ops people, the people that run the game, when our people came over to tell the staff that he's got to go and he's got to go to the locker room, they were incredibly rude and dismissive and just genuinely awful. That is not how you act. That is not how you behave in a professional environment. And it is very clear to me that these people have never done this before at any serious level. And I mean, like we've talked about how like rivalries start and no, they're not in our league, but we just named the game. You know, there's talk about us going maybe up there next season. Knoxville should never return to Finley Stadium unless Mark McKeever is no longer the head coach. He was that awful. I heard you had words with him during the game. I did have words with him for that reason. During the game. By the way, if you're talking to me during a game, like you ain't, you're not professional. You're not cut out for this shit. And if you think I'm bad, just wait until you go through half of League One. Or wait till I get there. Um, it's going to be bad. All right. So anyway, fuck Knoxville. Fuck Mark McKeever. There we go. There we go. That's yeah. He's cooled off a lot, folks. Uh, you should you all should see my no. You can't see my text messages. That would be um, that might get Matthew in trouble. Um, he had some harsh words for Mark McKeever. Um, all right. So again, to wrap that up, one nothing win. Um, solid, solid. I think performance from the guys. I'm happy. I'm encouraged overall. I don't think I'm taking too much out of the preseason in general, even though I just spent a whole bunch of time putting it out there. But uh, would love to know what you guys thought. Um, if you hit us up on Twitter, we'd love to see hear y'all's takes. And if you haven't watched the game, it is available on 11. So thanks, everybody, for listening. What do you got? La- last thing, Matthew, before we close this out. Be on the lookout later in this week. We're going to do men's roster preview, and we're going to do a women's roster preview. Both of those are going to be point-in-time previews. Obviously, the women's roster still has a long way to go. 
uh, for it to develop. And, I've, and and we've said just here today that the men's roster has a little bit of ways to go. There's still some pieces left to be added, but we're going to take a point in time preview uh, for both. And, and we'll come back with the men before the regular season, should we need to. And we'll definitely come back before the regular season with the women's side and, and kind of bring everything back up to speed. So be on the lookout for those things later on this week. Um, and I can't tell you exactly when because we haven't recorded them yet. Yep. So we're we'll rec- get there. We're going to record those. We're getting back into a regular schedule. It's just been a busy few weeks. and uh, But we're back. We're happy to be back. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch up with you soon.